Hey, welcome to the Going Not Knowing podcast. This is episode one, and I am here with my wife, Bo, and we want to talk to you about stepping out in faith, and we want to inspire your faith, equip you to do ministry, and help you to take courageous action when God asks you to step out in faith. Yeah, it'll be fun to have this conversation today. So we want to start out with a story about Sam Sassar. Bo, do you know who he is? I know him because I've heard you tell the story a couple of times, but I don't remember many of the details. Well, Sam was a missionary to the Marshall Islands in the mid to late 20th century. And he baptized a Marshallese king, led him to Christ and, and hundreds of others. But he and his wife struggled financially. And one day he was pretty down. And this 63-year-old Marshallese preacher came up to him and said, hey, why do you look so sad? And Sam said, well, God's told me to build a Bible institute, but I don't have enough money. And so I can't do it. He even gave me the name. It's Calvary Bible Institute. So the the man said, well, how much money do you have? He said, I only have $200. Now, the materials to lo- to build the school were 1,700 miles away in Guam. So $200 is not enough to build a Bible Institute. It's not even enough to get to Guam to buy materials. You know, this was before the internet, before you could make a phone call and order materials. He, he actually had to go there to buy them. And he didn't even have enough money to get there. And so he's confused, but God's told him to build this Bible college. Well, this Marshallese preacher has faith. And so he, he says to Sam, where's your faith? Let's go as far as we can. And suddenly it went from Sam needing to build this Bible school by himself to we. And what they ended up doing is buying one-way tickets as far as they could go, which was about halfway to Guam. So they take their $200 and they buy two plane tickets and it's enough to get about halfway there to an atoll that was a, had a U.S. military uh, runway. So they fly there. They're out of money. They have 36 cents left. That's it. And they decide to buy a hamburger. But they only have enough money for one hamburger, so they cut it in half. And they're in this diner uh, or this cafeteria on this U.S. Navy base, and they're out of money. They're only halfway to Guam. What would you be feeling, Bo, if you were in that situation? Well, this whole time I'm just imagining his wife and what she's sitting at home thinking when he tells her that he's just going on one-way tickets halfway to Guam and how she's just got to wait that one out and find out what happens. Right, because it's not like they're emailing each other. I mean, this was, I think, over 50 years ago, 60 years ago. So they're sitting there, and I can imagine some feeling of desperation and wondering, God, what? why did you bring me to this place? Why are you doing this? Am I crazy? Well, while they're eating, a Filipino man came up to their table and there were Filipinos who were working for the U.S. Navy and he had this paper bag and he he says to them, he says, brothers, and I know you're my brothers in the Lord. I've been up in my room praying. I'm from Manila, from a large church in that city. You don't know me, but I know you and God sent me down here to give you this. And then he put the paper bag between them 
and walked away and said, God bless you. They opened the paper bag and there's $12,000 in the bag. Mm -hmm. It's enough to make it to Guam and buy all the cement, lumber, and roofing materials that they need to start building the Bible college. Mm -hmm. I love that story because God gave Sam this vision, but he didn't give him the resources at the start. And Sam didn't know how he was going to do this. He's sad. He feels like God is, okay, you've given me this vision, but I can't do it. But then Reverend Batuna comes along, and it's his faith. He hasn't gotten the vision from God, but it's his faith that enables Sam to take that first step. And I don't know if that Bible college gets built without Reverend Batuna coming along and saying, hey, let's go as far as we can together. It makes me wonder, why didn't God tell him from the start that I want you to go to this island halfway to Guam and there's going to be a man who's going to give you all the money that you need? That would make it easy. (laughs) That would just buy a one-way ticket. Well, actually... what's so bad about that? (laughs) I don't know if that would be easy or not because... You still have to have the faith to take a one-way ticket. But, you know, your question, why didn't God just tell him all of the details, right? But actually, the story that we want to look at today is the story of Noah, right? where God told him to build an ark and really didn't give him many details. And so as we, we look at the story, as we look at the text, what, what are the key things that you see? We're in Genesis chapter... Six and seven. Oh. So hearing the story about Sam Sasser and also about the Filipino man who received those specific instructions from God while he was praying, it makes me wonder also how were they able to hear from God in the first place? And the, in, it's almost like in the same way that Noah was able to hear these commands from God. And these instructions from God, because I would say I almost never hear instructions that like that, the way that Noah hears them or the way that Sam Sasser got the name of the Bible college. Um, but I'm struck with Noah. What, I'm, what strikes me is the first information that we hear about Noah is that he found favor In the eyes of the Lord, he was a righteous man. He was blameless. He walked faithfully with God. And this is Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. And so this is the the bit of background information that we're given about Noah. And then he's given the instructions from God to build the ark. And then it says the next thing that Noah did was Noah did everything as God commanded him. And so it just makes me think of Noah being in a particular posture and in a particular uh, situation, um, in a particular place of relating with God, that he was in this place to be able to hear from him, but also to be able to act in obedience. So he's, what we know about him, as you said, was he was a righteous man. Mm -hmm. He was blameless in his generation and he walked with God. And so righteousness, he was living rightly before God. He was living in such a way that he stood out among the people of that time, among his generation. He was at this place of 
being blameless in such a way that it stood out that he was marked. He's different from his culture. The whole culture, what we know is it's this violence. And so it's mistreating people, taking advantage of people, hurting people. Right. Everyone around is doing it, but Noah is standing against the culture mm-hmm. in a way that he's standing with God. And then it, it says he walked with God, which gives us, you know, an understanding that he's he's walking with obedience. He's seeking to know God and walk alongside it. Well, this language of walking, it's such a powerful picture of relationship because when you're walking with somebody, like when we're walking together or when we go jogging together, um, you don't like it when I go ahead of you. It's true. I don't. I tell <laughs> you to slow I down. I can't really hear what you're trying to say to me. But then there are times where you want to cross that crosswalk really fast and I'm just holding you back. And, and then you're disappointed that we didn't make that crosswalk signal and we have to wait for it to also change true. again. <laughs> and so, but when you're, when you're choosing to willfully walk with someone, you are making your pace match the other person's pace. And so he's positioned to hear from God because he is living righteously, because he's he's not following the culture, mm-hmm. and he's walking in fellowship with right. God. And then God tells him that make an ark. And the details, he doesn't give him a whole lot of details. He, he says to make it out of gopher wood, to make rooms, to cover it inside and outside with pitch. It's going to be about 450 feet long. The width is about 75 feet and the height is about 45 feet. And then, you know, he tells him how to make the roof and to set the door and, and to make three decks. But that's all the information he gives him. He doesn't say, this is how you're going to cut down the trees. This is the length of the boards. This is the, these are the tools that you need to use. This is how long it's going to take. This is phase one, phase two, phase three. It really is pretty minimal what God tells him. And then we get the word that Noah obeyed. All right, verse 22, 6 verse 22 says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. But it still seems like a lot more detail than we are accustomed to hearing from God. I don't know. I mean, I mean God- this is like a hundred year project, right? Like it took Noah about a hundred years to build the ark. Mm-hmm. I feel like these are pretty minimal. I mean, and it could be just the economy of space, God. But it could also be that once Noah got on his way that God would give him direction, you know, as he, as he got to what got to each point. It's true. Maybe, but the text doesn't indicate that mm-hmm. doesn't tell us, but he certainly didn't give him all the information up front. No. And so, you know, and that reminds me of the story with Sam because Sam gets this word from the Lord to build a Bible college but he only has $200 and he doesn't know how he's going to get the resources or, or how it's going to work out. But God mm-hmm. expected him to act in faith. And so Noah's questions probably are not all answered in this moment, right? I mean, he's probably got way more questions, but God doesn't answer them. And yet Noah takes action. Well, I guess God gives him enough information for him to take the initial step, the first step. 
Right. Which is probably to start planning and preparing tools and cutting down trees. And I'm picturing that conversation with his wife <laughs> and all the work and preparation that she's got to do for this project. And So it's a, it's a family affair. Yeah. But Noah takes action in obedience. And again, God tells him in chapter seven to bring all of the animals in. He says, I'm going to send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and so verse seven, verse five, it says, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Mm -hmm. And so this is the second time that the text tells us that Noah did all that the Lord commanded. So all the animals come into the ark. And then in verse nine, it tells us again, the two and two male and female went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. You know, Moses, who's writing Genesis, is telling us again and again yeah. that Noah obeyed what he was commanded to do. Maybe that's one of the challenging things about faith is when you can't see ahead of you, it's easy to become paralyzed. God maybe gives you a vision like Sam, you know, he's he's got $200, but he, he sees the entirety of the project he knows he doesn't have enough and he's paralyzed. He can't move forward in obedience because he's seen too far into the future. Whereas Batuna comes along and says, well, how far can we go with what we have? Well, I think also that he's just seeing his limits and he's seeing forward into the future according to the limits that he sees that he has. You know, one of the things as I as I think about this story is God doesn't tell Noah how long he's going to be on the ark. He says it's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights, but he doesn't tell him what's going to happen to the earth. He doesn't tell him when he's going to get off the ark. He doesn't tell him what it's going to be like when they get off the ark. It's just this is this is what is about to happen. And Noah has to take he has to act in obedience for the word that he has today, we can see the huge picture mm -hmm. and we can become paralyzed to move forward to that next step. I think we get paralyzed, but then we also question ourselves and we doubt, am I crazy? <laughs> I'm sure there were times where Noah felt like he was crazy because there was no visible evidence, you know, for rain that there was going to be enough water that you would need a boat because God didn't tell him those details. He didn't say how deep the water was going to be. He didn't, he didn't say what it was going to be like. And so Moses has to keep moving in obedience. Noah, Noah, has, Noah to. has to keep moving in obedience based on the word that God gave him. And I think also he has to keep pushing through all the objections that he's getting from people around him and probably from his own family at times. Right, because... The family probably gets tired or neighbors think he's crazy. Well, if there's no evidence, right? <laughs> right. Then it's just hard. It's just hard to keep pushing through. So most of the people listening are probably not going to get a word to build a 450-foot boat or build a Bible college in the Marshall Islands. Mm -hmm. But God will ask us to take steps of faith. I think he asks every believer to take a step of faith. And so if we go back to Noah, what do we need to do to position ourselves to at least be able to hear a word? Yeah, well, I, it goes back to, to, again, that picture of walking with God. And it doesn't say that God walked with Noah, but it says Noah walked 
with God. And so there was this willful um, choosing to walk with God, to stay with God where he is, um, to go at God's pace and to not try to go ahead and, and do my own thing, but to stay close to God and also to to let God direct. When you walk with someone, somebody's got to make the decision of to, to turn to the right or to the left. And there's this willful submitting um, to God's direction and God's leading and allowing him to be your shepherd and to guide you. You know, I, I think we, we need to walk with God, but there's also that walking in righteousness mm-hmm. and walking as blameless in this generation. Mm-hmm. And what we know is for us is walking in righteousness is one walking in Christ, but obeying the word of Christ. And so we're in the word of God. We're meditating on his word. And as we read it, we recognize what he's calling us to do and we obey it. Things like loving your neighbors, forgiving people who've hurt you, not being critical, not being prideful, serving others. You know, this is the revelation that that we have that just requires regular, ordinary obedience and so it's through that that walking righteously, it's through choosing to walk with God, which means not going the way necessarily that I want to go, mm-hmm. submitting my desires to him and be willing to obey even when it means I have to sacrifice. Right. And that puts us in a position where we can hear God ask us to do something that maybe isn't in scripture. Like there's no Bible verse that says build Calvary Bible Institute. Like that's something that God put in his heart. So if we walk in obedience and if we're walking with God, then we're in a place where we can hear that. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the things that people listening might hear, like a step of faith that they might hear or God might ask them to take? Well, one practical step of faith might be to get involved in the local church to respond to if you have a stirring or a prompting to volunteer in the Sunday school program or to go to that midweek gathering, that's going to require you to, to give up something else or to change your schedule, but, or or maybe even drive through traffic. (gasps) (laughs) How does it take faith? Why would it take faith to join, to start leading a Sunday school class? Well, I think because you're not sure what the fruit would be or what the outcome would be. You're not sure um, how much of an impact you could actually have on the kids that are there. And maybe you feel inadequate, like, oh, I don't know enough about the Bible to be able to teach a Bible lesson. Or I haven't been, I haven't been walking with Jesus long enough. I just became a believer. How could I serve in lead, in, in leadership at church? So it takes faith, it may take faith to believe that there's going to be fruit because we can think, oh, it'll be a waste if I get in that. Um, It may take faith that it's worth the sacrifice because you think, oh, I could do so many other things. It may take faith to believe that God actually wants me to do it Mm -hmm. because I don't feel qualified enough. And those are just small 
small steps of faith of going to a Wednesday night service or joining a ministry team or leading a Sunday school class. I mean, that's not like taking a one-way ticket halfway around the world. Mm -hmm. But if we're not willing to take the small steps of faith, then we're not going to have the opportunity to take larger steps of faith. So even though it, it may seem small or insignificant, it may be hugely significant in growing in our faith and being willing to take action. Yeah, and I think the story for a lot of Sunday school volunteers and teachers is that you don't always get to see the kids when they're grown up, and you won't hear the stories of the memories they have of Sunday school, and so it does take faith. Right. (laughs) You know, like I think of my youth pastor and how when I was— in ninth grade, and he wanted to introduce worship to to the youth group, I actually hid the overhead sheets. I mean, people don't even know what those are, but essentially I hid the lyrics to the songs so we couldn't, I shut down singing in my youth group hmm. as a ninth grader. I'm sure it drove my youth pastor crazy, but here I am, you know, serving the Lord today. Does he know that? Yeah, he does. Okay, I actually, I, I messaged him. <laughs> but at that time, he would have, I, you know, I'm sure I was driving him crazy. Yeah, and, and I'm sure he was questioning, am I having any impact on these kids? And so you don't know. So it's by faith you serve. By faith you give your best. By faith you sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And what do you think might be a step of faith that God wants you to take right now? Or is there anything that he want you feel called to obey? Yes. The command throughout scripture, do not worry. Because as a mother with children right now, not knowing where we're going to end up next week or next month, <laughs> it's it can be easy, very easy to give in to worry. But I have to constantly choose to trust and to not worry and to believe that God is big enough and he's who he says he is in his word and and that he has got it all under control. I think the obedience being willing to obey with with content creation whether it be videos or a podcast it's hard when you're starting out and you feel like uh so few people are listening. Is this worth anything? Is this going to go anywhere? Right. And it takes faith. I'm just, I'm just sending this stuff out into the stratosphere and <laughs> see what happens. And it takes faith to be willing to obey and create, even if it's only for one person. And and maybe God just wants it made for a handful of people. Or maybe it's just to get us to talk more. <laughs> It could be. It could be just so you and I have more conversations together. I think I need to keep moving in faith and creating. But it also, I feel like God told you to create things or put things on your heart to create as well. How would you encourage, what would you want to say to someone who's listening, who is, maybe they've heard something from the Lord, but they're afraid? I would say first... You can ask yourself, am I walking with God throughout my day, through everything I'm doing? Am I in communion with Him? Am I communicating with Him? Am I listening to hear Him, hear from Him? Am I in the Word? 
And so do I have this basis of, of a relationship where I'm in a position to hear from him? And also it's out of that relationship that, that we're going to have the ability and the grace to respond with obedience. I think what I would say is, I think what I would say is that our calling is to obey. What we see in, in Noah is he obeyed what God commanded him to do. And it ended up bringing salvation for his family. It preserved the human race. We are called to obey God, to do what he called us to do. You know, for us right now, we're creating content uh, and uh, we're unsure of, of the size of the audience, of the impact it'll make. And if I think, if I'm creating and thinking, oh, I need to have this many views or I need to have this many subscribers, I'm just going to be discouraged and discouraged and discouraged. But that's not what God said. God didn't say go out and get 500,000 subscribers. What God said was create or what I thought God said was create. If we are creating the end result in our mind, for what this act of faith will produce, it's easy to be discouraged. But instead, if we see success as I take the step of obedience that I can take in this moment, that's where we can keep going. Yeah. Because I'm just obeying the last thing that God told me to do. Yeah. How am I responding to what information I have today? And seeing that as success Mm -hmm. rather than the end result that may or may not be from God. Right. And so I just want to encourage anyone who maybe you're you're beginning to create content or maybe you're thinking about starting a project or or starting art or or making a, a piece of art, not to worry about how many people will see what you've created but just to be obedient. And if God is calling you to serve in the youth ministry or Sunday school or the welcome ministry, not to think about how many people am I going to reach, but just how am I going to be obedient to what God has called me to walk with him and to be obedient and to, to leave the fruit side up to the Lord, but to be aggressive, to be aggressive in the obedience Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on our YouTube channel, Going Not Knowing. And please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you and respond.